What's up, guys? Welcome to The Strength Connection. I'm Michael Kurkowski. I'm here to connect with the top minds in the world of strength to share stories, insights, and experiences to help us become stronger every day. I just finished with an unbelievable guy I've been so excited to meet for a long time. I have Tim Anderson, the co-founder of Original Strength on the podcast with So I've been following Tim for a long time and also talked to many other people who have been involved in Original Strength and the amazing testimonials and the work that they have done with people. It's almost one of those programs, as I mentioned on the podcast, it's like a head scratcher. It's like hearing people who have not been able to move or do certain things for years, all of a sudden be able to do them and access this mobility and live just better, stronger, and more joyful lives. So I was so excited to hear about how this program came about from Tim, uh, how he started in this journey of being incredibly fatigued and then just started learning how we just naturally move from being babies and up. And then from there, with a couple of colleagues, just started to play around with a lot of these different movements of crawling, of rolling, of head nods, all the type of stuff that we went into and uh, and how they turned this whole program into an incredible uh, program that is available now for coaches and anybody that's looking to move better. So you can follow Tim uh, more so afterwards at originalstrength.net, check out his stuff. And without further ado, we'll get right on with the show. Thank you so much for tuning in. I'll catch you on the inside. And we're live. Tim, thanks so much for joining me today. I've been so excited to meet you. This is going to be great. Oh, thanks for having me, Michael. I appreciate it. Absolutely. Yeah. As I was kind of saying off air, um, Original Strength, it's one of those programs that it's almost like the results and the testimonials that I've heard from this program, it's almost kind of head scratching. It's like I've heard people who have gotten so much out of this from people who have never done any workouts before to getting into some of the work with the movements of rocking and the resets and the results are just absolutely staggering and being like a 15 year veteran in fitness to see like staggering things and almost like you shake your head, like, really? Like you got that so quickly. It's kind of fascinating. So I'm, I'm really excited to, to hear about this program and to chat with you today. Man, I'm, I'm going to be honest with you. So I've been doing OS for like what, 12 years now. Mm-hmm. And I still shake my head and, and get staggered. It's, it's, Isn't that it's great? it is. Yeah. Uh, yeah that, I don't get tired of that. So that's neat. Yeah, it is. So, I mean, I came from kind of the world of kettlebells. I was with the RKC and strong first. I think I first heard of OS from uh, Joe Sansalone, I believe, and uh, Steve Holliner when they were into it big. And I know um, work with Jeff Newport and stuff. So I've seen a lot of it, but I'm really curious to kind of know how this started for you. I know you co-founded this program and, I believe it kind of came from your own personal journey of trying to you know, kind of solve yourself, your own problems that you were doing with training a little bit in there. So I'd love to hear kind of how this got started, if we can start. Yeah. From there. Well, it's not a glamorous story. It's actually kind of, <laughs> I mean, especially looking back now, the more I've told this, the more I'm, I, I start to think, man, that's kind of dumb, but, and me, I me, meaning I was dumb. Um, so I was into kettlebells pretty big. And, um, I was very overzealous about it and I trained, uh, I wanted to go to the three day RKC cert. So I did that, um, a lot of volume, more volume than I've ever had before, um, for that, you know, that three days, mm-hmm. um, especially back then. And especially back out, then, <laughs> especially back then. Right. Um, and I found out that there was a RKC two cert like a weekend later. Um, so instead of going home and resting, I had to train even harder when I went home to go to the RK2 cert because I wanted to pass that because I was just, man, I love, I would go to bed dreaming about kettlebells. It's silly. But as a consequence of all that compounding volume, I obviously got some overuse injuries. And, um, but 
and here's where the, here's the dumb part. Instead of resting and allowing my body to recover, I just kept stacking on training on top of the overuse injuries. Okay. Um, <laughs> so that was the dumb part. Like, I got know, you. We, we've been there. We've all been there. <laughs> really? I could have probably just took a break and everything. Was fine. <laughs> um, okay. So, so then I, I, I kept, kept hurting, kept training, kept hurting, kept training. And then I learned about corrective exercises. So I started diving into corrective exercise systems. Um, and again, instead of resting. Um, so then I started trying to fix myself through doing corrective exercises all the while never taking a break. So what happened was, is I got very frustrated because obviously I couldn't fix anything um, because of my overuse injuries weren't going anywhere because I was continuing to, to use them. So one night I was feeling pretty, pretty fragile and beaten up. And I've always wanted to be Superman like my whole life. Right. So, so I'm sitting there one night and I'm, I just, I don't, I feel broken and out of desperation, I just, I, I asked God to show me how to train to become bulletproof. And within two weeks, literally I picked up a book on uh, called smart moves on learning disorders in children. And okay. God just kind of connected the dots where all of a sudden I saw how amazing the human body was designed. Um, and that's, that's really what, what started OS. Wow. What was the, what was the book smart moves? Like what was in there that kind of brought that light bulb out? And see, that's the funny thing. Cause I had read that as far for, uh, I'd already read it for recommended reading uh, for one of those corrective exercise systems that I was in. Okay. And so, so I'd already read it and I'm picking it up and I'm looking at stuff again. And, and it was talking about the thing that got me was um, it was talking about how crawling ties the brain together and helps children with learning disorders heal or overcome their learning disorders. And I said, huh, well, if it will do that for a brain that's compromised or that needs help, what will it do for a healthy brain? And that was my question. Wow. And so I was like, this is so right before I knew that I was like, well, obviously it's going to do wonderful things. Like, so I knew before I even, before I got all my hands and knees ever, I knew that crawling was like the miracle movement just from that, just from reading that right there. So I was, I was more convinced than anything before I even tried it. Wow. It is. It's such an interesting movement. I, I first heard about crawling from FMS systems. They do some work like that of, of getting down and, you know, with gray explains the, you know, baby's first crawl, like don't let your kids just stand up in the Johnny right. jumper early enough. Like they need to crawl first and really build that, that core stability. So it is, it's kind of almost like a logical sense, right? It's like, well, if, if babies are learning this, it's like, well, if we're adults, we should be able to get back to that at some point. Yeah. And that was, and so, so that again, led the, took the lid off the, the can as far as how wonderful um, the body is designed. And, mm -hmm. and crawling is just one of the movements that is miraculous. Like, mm -hmm. so we're all pre-programmed, like every baby goes through the developmental sequence that ties his nervous system together and makes their body extremely resilient. And we all have it and we never lose it. <laughs> so, so we can always tap back into it. Wow. Okay. Yeah. It's that available versus accessible journey, right? It's always available, right. but we just got to make sure we can access it. It's always there. <laughs> That's what was the, what was the fatigue or the, I mean, was it injuries that you had, or was it just kind of more just over, the overtraining fatigue that you were seeing? Like, what was it that was really hindering you from progressing? Oh, so like for the, for the, all the, the multiple yeah. kettlebell, uh, it was, man, that, and that's the silly part. It was, uh, elbow pain, medial, uh, well, golfer's elbow. <laughs> yeah, I don't like, it might as well be called kettlebell's elbow. Um, yeah. <laughs> cause I never play golf, but, uh, 
it, and, and, you know, every, I would uh, constantly tweaking my shoulders with all the overhead work, all the pressing, all the getups, all the snatching. Um, and, but again, I was too smart to stop and I just kept stacking all of that on top of itself. So I just never, I never gave my body a chance to recover. So how did your, like your program and the, and the work that you did change right away? Like you mentioned crawling, was it start of like doing that as a warm up, or was that primarily what you were doing now? Like how did this program it, kind of evolve? That's weird. So I started with crawling. I just started sprinkling it in throughout the day. Like maybe I crawled 20 steps after I would, you know, do something. And then I started somehow it started morphing into, I did it before I worked out and then it completely morphed into my workout. Um, like for some reason, and I, am sure John Brookfield had a lot to do with this. He always encouraged me to like do things that were, um, challenging and difficult and then always to, for time though, or distance. Right. So I remember one morning at the fire department, I started, I decided I was going to try to leopard crawl for time and two to three minutes was brutal. But a few weeks later, I like, it was, I don't know why, but 12 minutes was my, I didn't even go for 10. I went for 12 when I hit 12 minutes, it was like, I had just won like the lottery. Like it was, I couldn't believe it. Cause it was so grueling to get there. Yeah. Um, but so it, it actually became my workouts. And then I started crawling down hills. I started crawling up hills. Um, and that's the crawling is not all I do, but for some mm -hmm. reason right. I was just sold on that movement. And because it was mentally stimulating enough, because it was ridiculously hard and I could not figure out why it was just so challenging. And I, I think that's what made me want to do it even more. Mm -hmm. Um, because it challenged me more than kettlebells did because I could wrap my head around why, why is kettlebell training hard, but I could not figure out why crawling was so hard. Right. Yeah. It is like when you think about it, like it doesn't seem like so hard, but if you do that for any period of time, I mean, it's constant pressure on your hands, on your elbows, on your shoulders. Yeah. So things really have to be in as good of alignment as possible. If you're going to do that for more than a short period of time. Yeah. And, and, and I'm not a sweater. So like I could train and do stuff and not sweat, but, but when I started crawling, like I would just start dripping sweat and I'm like, what's going on? <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. How quickly was it after starting to implement these things? Did you start to feel the difference in your body? Was it an immediate thing or was it pretty really? It, yeah, it's like my, I, I didn't hurt anymore. I got ridiculously stronger with kettlebells. Um, <laughs> I could do, I could do whatever I want. And as a matter of fact, I'd left altogether. I just kind of left kettlebell training eventually from it because mm -hmm. I was just, I figured out like I learned how to move my own body and challenge myself in ways that I didn't need outside training tools. Okay. Yeah. So this, so original strength, I mean, the crawling is a component as you said, but I mean, if you go to your site and you see the videos, you don't miss anything. There's abs, there's ankles, there's tongue for breathing and stuff like that. Like there's something to work with, with everything. How did this evolve into this entire program from like crawling into now you're like, okay, I have a program that I think I need to tap into this even more. So that's where, um, so Jeff Newport and I and Mike McNiff would get together and mm -hmm. we would just start playing with, and honestly, we started playing with the FMS first. Okay. Um, we wanted to see if, if these movements like the head nods and the rocking and the rolling could clean up an FMS screen. Um, okay. and they could, <laughs> so, um, and it was, it was dramatic. And so like, that just kind of lit us on fire. And then we just started like, what if we just did them every day? What if we, mm -hmm. what if we use them as a warm up? What if, what if we mixed them in between movements 
like started supersetting movements with the with these movements mm -hmm. because if they could clean up a a movement screen really they were just cleaning up movement it wasn't that they were cleaning up a movement screen they were just cleaning up movement so we just started playing mm -hmm. with well what if you do a set of squats and then you roll around on the floor or you rock back and forth oh wow that set of the next set of squats looks better and so it just started it just kind of grew from there and then uh one day um jeff's like what i think people might want to learn this mm -hmm. so i wrote a little book about it you know and i put it out there and people started reading it. And then Jeff's like, I think people would come to a workshop to see this stuff. And so we kind of put it out there and that's, that's how it started. Okay. Yeah. Shout out to Jeff and shout out to Huggy too. I absolutely yeah, Huggy. love Huggy. He's one of the best guys ever. Huggy is the most amazing. I, I could, I could spend two days straight. I'm right sure now you talking could. About Huggy. <laughs> Huggy was my coach for a while when, uh, with his work at TKN, that's how I uh, found him. And, uh, it was just absolutely unbelievable guy. So shout out, Huggy, if you're listening to this, I love you, man. So, so he, he is the first person I called when uh, I read that thing about how crawling could help, help children with um, learning disorders. Mm -hmm. And I was like, and he's the person I was like, Hey man, what, what this could, what could this do for a healthy person? Like, so him and I were, we got so excited yeah, because he, he, we both just knew it was like, yes, this is what we need to be doing. Sure. Yeah. Well, his perspective, I'm sure, was interesting, too, because with his military background and stuff like that, of having to be always ready just in case anything happens from there. I totally understand how all of your minds kind of came together to put this program together. Yeah, that was that was, that was fun, actually, because yeah. we were like, like the, the discoveries were just like, boom, they were just so they were my uh, head scratching for sure. So you said like like head nods, just like rocking back and forth and stuff like that. And this was all just really trial and error, just like, all right, let's give this a shot and then go in. We'll retest a squat pattern, see if it works from there. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Huh. Man, it is it's still it's like almost like head scratching to me and just some things where it's just like a almost like but, just these simple movements that anybody can really do, whether you're an elite athlete or you've never, you know, worked out a day in your life. So here's, here's the miracle of the, like, say for head knots, like, mm -hmm. and I'm still, I'm still learning this, but like here, the miracle of the design is this, everyone sees a baby and they think, oh, cute little helpless baby. Right. But what they don't see is a baby that has a watermelon for a head that weighs 33% as much as its body does. And what they don't understand is that baby learns exquisite head control, balancing that big giant watermelon on a little tiny stick. And that, that head is connected to its center. All the muscles in that child's body are connected to the vestibular system, but especially the ones in the center. So that baby learning how to get control of the head is developing an amazingly strong core. Mm -hmm. um, and so by gaining head control and every muscle in your body is attached to the movements of your head. So doing head nods kind of like wakes up or refreshes all of those muscular connections, but especially the ones around the center, mm -hmm. but it also activates the vestibular system, which is the information crossroads of the brain. Like everything goes into your vestibular system, all information before it goes into your brain. Mm -hmm. So that child, it, that's the amazing design because it is literally developing with its own weight room on its body and it has to, it has to master it. Yeah. And it does. And that's how it eventually gets up on two feet. And by the time it's up on two feet, it's really tied together very well. And that's why they're, they're, they're ridiculously resilient. Wow. It, it is. It's still just so fascinating to me. Thinking, I've heard the, the baby analogy a lot too, but still like in that, like, yeah, 33% of your weight is right in this one little noggin right here. So the easy, cause like, like I, I like, you know, math is, math is helpful. 
But say a person only weighed 100 pounds, they would have a 33-pound head. Can you, can you imagine being 100 pounds and walking around with a 33-pound head, like trying to yeah. control that? Right. Yeah. So every little angle that turns just adds all that percentage in there just to bring that back. Yes. Yeah. That's interesting from there. So so it started with then like was there was there a process that you guys kind of worked with these progressions? Like was it like you said, crawling was like the first thing that like instantly you're like, all right, we got something here. Then was it like the head, like the joint by joint approach where you just like trying this joint, then this joint and kind of. Uh, No, I think we just looked at um, like what a child does. Like uh, there's another book called The Well-Balanced Child by Sally Goddard Blythe. I got that and started looking at the the developmental sequence of what a child goes through. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was the, the rolling and the rocking. Like you could see how those movements like rolling is the beginning of your gait pattern. Crawling is not the beginning of the gait pattern. Rolling mm-hmm. is, but you can see how it starts to tie the X together and how it's still flooding the vestibular system. Mm-hmm. And, and now, now we're joining the proprioceptive system into that. Okay. And then you can see these milestones. Like, so then when the child gets up and walks, he, he's connecting the, the hips and the shoulders together and the stabilizers are, are learning how to stabilize the joints. So the movers can move the joints. Like you just see all the miracles that are happening in these stages of development. Um, okay. And then, so, yeah, so it wasn't necessarily thinking joint by joint. It was just thinking, Oh, look at that. <laughs> I mean, wow. Was- yeah. So essentially it's like, okay, how we progress just as a human being from a baby up and then realizing that all of those things are still accessible to us in proper movement. We just need to figure out how to get them back into yeah. Yeah. place. So, and so we call that pressing reset when you, when you go back into those original yes. movements, mm-hmm. but the, the, the secret is, is you're never supposed to leave those original movements. Every breath you take should be a reset. Every time you move your head, that should be a reset that nourishes and strengthens your nervous system. Every step you take walking from here to there should mm-hmm. be a step that fortifies your brain and your nervous system, and keeps your body tied together and healthy. It's just that we have fallen away from our design because we don't engage in it like we're supposed to. Like the child engages in his design every day because he's got nothing else to do. And he's, he's, he's trying to grow and learning and curiosity moves in. Right. An adult is not curious anymore. They don't move anymore. They, they Mm -hmm. sit around all the time. So they're just not engaging in those things. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. I mean, so it's just naturally as you get into patterns, like we're sitting, we're sitting in front of computers right now. It's like, this is not natural of what we're supposed to do from here. So this is just getting everything back into originally how we're supposed to move every day. It's just, you're just going back to your original movement design and that's it. It's that simple too. Yeah. That's it. Cause yeah. That's it. Like, cause a lot of the word that I keep seeing over and over again in OS is reset. It's like the pressing reset and the work reset. So everything is just about always getting back into that foundational level. When you mention things like rolling, what is the pattern? Like, is it kind of like a, cause I know from like FMS, like easy rolls and hard rolls, like elbow to knee, is it kind of similar to that? Or is it more just kind of. No, it's more, it's more um, like a child would roll um, Mm -hmm. like uh, very fluid and segmental, no tension in the body. Mm -hmm. Um, no, 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 uh, what do you call it? Pre-tensioning, no, uh, high threshold maneuvers, no breath holding, no turning red. Just imagine yourself as a rag doll and you're moving like an ocean wave. So it's not a log roll. It's piece by piece by piece by piece. It's very fluid. Um, like a ribbon. If, if a little ballerina was twirling a ribbon in the air, then just how the ribbon just flows so effortlessly mm-hmm. and smoothly, that would be a roll. Gotcha. So when you teach this, when people get it, is there a certain kind of steps that you follow of like starting with it does it start with like the head and then you go into 
the crawling? Is there a certain sequence that is, is best to do this practice? So yes and no. Um, when we teach it, we do teach it in the order of the developmental sequence, you know, breathing, head control, rolling, rocking, crawling. But for an individual, a reset's a reset. And you don't have to, you don't have to hit the reset button in any particular order. All you have okay. to do is press reset on the system. And, and it could be that you go for the one their body needs the most. And if you don't know, you just press reset anyway, because, but because it's a reset, it just makes all the incoming information better anyway. So then eventually you work your way around to what they needed the most, even if you didn't know, if you gotcha. start pressing reset. Uh-huh. Okay. Should you do, do you do like specific tests before you do the reset? Like, is an FMS good to pair this up with to do, or is there like different ones that you found of like, if you just test a squat pattern or a lunge pattern and stuff and then oh, uh, do so, these and retest or. So what we do as far as um, the, the training system for OS, we actually do have an original tr- strength screen and assessment. You do. Okay. Um, yeah. And it allows us to like, you know, within five minutes, we kind of just know we're, where, where a person needs to be. Oh, okay. What's the assessment like? What is like, if you could break that down for me, that'd be awesome. Well, um, so we, I mean, obviously we, 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 we assess how they're moving, where they're moving. Um, mm-hmm. and then we just, we, well, how easily can they breathe? Do they, do they have head control? Do they, do they have the ability to, um, to move without holding tension in their holding their breath? You know, like we're, mm-hmm where do they lose their ability to, to just be free and flow? Gotcha. Yeah. Cause I'm wondering, cause it's, it's interesting the body, right? When we have compensations, we don't know that we're compensating if we only Never have know. ourselves, right? Yeah. So <laughs> I'm thinking like, if you're doing like head nods, somebody might think, Oh yeah, I do that fine. But are we looking more for like compensations in the rest of the body or just full range of motion in right. like the neck? And- yeah. So you're looking for do, well, where is their motion at? Where's it coming from? Do they have it? But also, yes, like you said, compensations, like, are they like, cause and I guess one easy example could be like, say, if somebody looks up, do they mm-hmm. hold their breath? Do they get scared? Do, mm-hmm. do they use their eyes at all? Do they, you know, like, what did they close their eyes? Like mm-hmm. what's, you know, what does a person do? Where do they live at? Right. That's it's so fascinating. Have you found like, is this, have you found a lot of people do this as just its own entity program or do like adding it with other stuff, like other traditional strength training or kettlebell training? I know this is like primarily what you do every day. Is it good also to kind of add these other systems involved? Or do you think OS is something that you can just do as a standalone program and that's going to progress you and build your strength? So both. Um, and it depends on what you enjoy to me. Cause like part of living is being able to enjoy things you like to do. Right. So if you enjoy strength training and that's something you certainly want to do, mix OS with it and just make it better. Like if you love, um, if you love CrossFit and you just love the thrill of the competition, mix OS in it and be a better, you know, compete better. Um, make your lifts easier, you know, like Mm -hmm. you, it, Cause it's a, a, a great performance enhancer. Um, mm-hmm. So whatever you like to do, whether it's kettlebells, power lifting, um, Olympic lifting, you can easily mix OS with it because it just improves uh, function. It just improves movement, you know? So, gotcha. so it, it enhances everything you want to do so that you can do it better. However, gotcha. if you're not really into exercise and you just want to feel good, then it is the, to me, the best training s- system you could engage in because it's the one you were born with. Gotcha. Um, and it keeps your body feeling very good. 
that's what I, that's what I found from talking to so many people about OS. Met a lot of instructors, a lot of top level coaches, and they can you can. There's always some debate that you can have. Oh, I love doing this for strength better than this. And everybody says OS can be added into anything that you do. Yeah. It's like it's because. I think you just said it perfectly there, Tim. It's like, it's just how we naturally function. So if you want to get better in strength or powerlifting, you can add this in. If you want to build endurance, it's just everything comes back to that reset. And that's where you can really use this the best way, right? Yeah, absolutely. Like to me, it's just, just, it just allows you to live the life you want to live better. Um, You can mix it in. The only only important thing is that you show up and you do it. Because that's the the design. The baby shows up every day, baby does it. Yeah, exactly. So this is, I mean, this is an everyday, th- this is something that you can do on an everyday basis. Yeah, you can, but, but because you're designed to though, like literally every breath should be one that tells your nervous system I'm safe versus one that says I'm in danger, especially when there's no danger. Mm-hmm. Like, so, so I mean, like, you know, if the average person's walking around in the sympathetic state all the time and they are, mm-hmm. then just restoring their breath back to its natural default state would help them get rid of anxiety, stress, pain, back pain, knee pain, neck pain. Like they would just instantly start to feel better. And, and then if, if they're breathing that way all the time, continually, they're always telling their brain, I'm safe. Everything's good. I'm safe. Mm -hmm. No need to worry. No need to put on the guards or the brakes. Yeah. It's such a, it's such a great message of it just because it's, you know, why we strength train or why we try and get stronger. Like, cause we want to live more joyful lives. We want to feel better throughout it. So it's like, sometimes you don't need to be just crushing out weights and just keep adding more and more on top of it. You know, sometimes right. just doing these movements, just get back in and all of a sudden you feel just so good in your own body, just by working on your breathing, just by opening up your neck a little bit can be exactly what you're looking for. Oh man. Yeah. When your neck moves good, you feel good. When your neck does not Absolutely. feel good. You feel good. <laughs> Absolutely. So you said after a little while, like you just kind of, I mean, you were into kettlebells for a while and then you're just like, I don't need to do this anymore. Like you're just, this is what I'm doing right now. Cause I feel so good. Like right. how long was that? Like in that process, like how long have you pretty much just been doing this system for yourself? Ah, man, I guess after I started crawling around, it wasn't long where I just started, I just dropped away mm-hmm. um, all the other training thing. And then I just invested into OS or, and, and specifically for strength training, I really invested in crawling. Mm-hmm. Um, like, cause these are so many different ways you can crawl, but um, John Brookfield, he, him and I got together one day and I learned how to crawl dragging chains and you can crawl dragging a sled, pushing a sled. I mean, so you can load it any way you want to. And then that became fun because it was always a challenge. Huh. Yeah. Um, John Brook, he's an interesting guy, John Brookfield with his battle ropes program too. That's yes. really interesting from there. So with crawling, like, is there a certain protocol that you think works really good to start with? Is it just going forward for a short period of time? Do you think going in all different directions is really I, I, vital? I, as long as you're on your, you're down there doing it. I, I think all directions are great. Um, and, and, and we're all different too. So there'll be some people that can crawl backwards way easier than they can crawl forwards. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's me. You know, yeah. yeah. And you yeah. never know till you see it happen. Right. Like, I, oh, I never, I never realized that when I started doing crawling stuff, I'm like going forward was really more challenging going backwards. I felt like I could go for a mile. Yeah. And, and what's cool about that is backwards really makes your torso and your shoulders like rock solid. So, yes. I mean, if, it, if that's the easy way to go, that's awesome. Um, yeah. But no, I don't, I don't, I don't think direction matters as much as just time uh, investing in the pattern. 
Right. Um, and, gotcha. and in time under tension. <laughs> so with, have you seen any like change, like with strength training, like has your strength continued to progress by just doing this work? Kind of not, you know, kind of leaving the heavy weights away. It's like, have you kept progressing in your strength over this time? I, well, so I'll say that in two ways. Yes. And also, um, obviously strength has a, there's a point that when, when enough's enough and your body, like, so the goal would be to take the brakes off your body so that it could easily express the strength that you naturally have. Gotcha. Um, and so in all of us are walking around with more than enough strength than we would ever need to be happy and live a wonderful life. All of us. That's why grandma can lift up a car in an emergency because she has all that strength in her body. She doesn't have access to it all the time. So, so the goal, so we, we're all strong enough. It's just, where do we, when do we get to, to decide that I am strong enough? Right. So, so for me, um, I was just messing around one day in 2015 and I, I looked at the barbell and I thought I hadn't done a Turkish get up in like a year or two years. I mean, but I wanted to do it with a barbell. Mm-hmm. And so I did one with a barbell and then I like threw a couple of 10 pounds on each side and I did it. And then and then all of a sudden, like, there's just this thought in my head, I bet you can do 135. And it was kind of crazy. But then, like, I got excited and I'm like, I'm going to try. And I did. I did it with 135. And then when I put it down, I was like, I bet you can do it on the other side. Like, so I did it on both hands, 130. And I hadn't been doing get ups and I hadn't been lifting weights for, I mean, I just, right. I just didn't do it. Mm-hmm. Um, so to me, yes, it, it really increased strength that I just did not have before. Um, and I wasn't even training for that. Right. So, so that was my example though, or my aha, that, that if you can take the brakes off the body, you're strong enough. You can do, you can do, you can do feats of strength. Now I will be honest, um, (laughs) because the way this started and this is, and I, I wrote this on the YouTube video for that video too, but I asked God to show me how to become bulletproof and I learned how the body was designed somewhere along the way in that, especially around 2015, I asked God to cut out the middleman, which was me and just make me bulletproof. So I didn't have to actually do stuff to be that way that just said that I was that way. And that's about the time that I tried that get up. So, so I'm not, I'm hesitant to even say that all the crawling made that happen as much as the ask and the Mm -hmm. belief that made it happen. Yeah that's interesting. You know, the words you said there have kind of take the brakes off, you know, of the strength that you already have. I think that's such an important message. You know, it's like, it's, I think there's still so much misconception, a lot of like what strength is. Right. And as you just mentioned, like we're all as strong as we need to be to live a really happy and healthy life. But it's a lot of these different messages of you need to do this, or you need to push this and stuff when actually it's all accessible to us. And by doing that there, right? Like doing the get up, it's like, yeah, I'm, I'm doing all the right things. If I need to get to this strength, I have it in me. Yeah. And I think that, I think that's a message that we don't talk about enough, especially in the fitness industry. It's like always pushing to progress, to get to this next, get to this level, to get to, you know, this next, you know, stepping stone of going in when reality, it's like, no, just clear away all of the cobwebs that are preventing you from being that already. And that's really what this seems like. It is. So, so a lot of the journey for me with OS was a very freeing journey because like, so what, to your point, if I'm always chasing something in the weight room, mm-hmm. most of the time I'm chasing somebody else's standard. And now I'm letting their standard 
dictate my happiness or not, because whether I reach that standard that was arbitrarily set by somebody else has nothing to do with me or my body or, you know, who I am. So it does get to be very freeing when, well, just because you can deadlift two times your weight or three times your weight or even four times your weight, what does that ultimately mean? And does that mean that everybody should be able to do it? And if you can do that, and that is strength, but you can't walk up and down your own steps without getting winded or because you hurt, then is it really strength or is it like, so it just gets to be this thing where when am I enough and when is how I feel more important than what somebody else thinks I should be doing inside the weight room? Right. It is. It's interesting. Do you look back at that all of like when you were in that like kettlebell time and when you were overtraining and realized like this was just maybe it's ego that came in or something like that. Of just like, that's this, what it is. This, <laughs> it's like, it's this ego. Is, like it was, this was fueling an external thing I was trying to chase when in reality, like where real strength comes from is all intrinsic. It's already here. Yes. And that kind of just moved you in that direction. Yeah. Because the ego is always wanting to prove your worth and your worthiness, mm-hmm. like, especially in the weight room, especially when somebody else, you know, like you got to prove you're strong. You got to prove you're tough. You got to, it was all ego driven. That was, <laughs> That's why three days of kettlebell training and in the next three days, because like there was also the in crowd, like the cool guys that could do all the cool kettlebell stuff were the ones that were teaching everything and everybody wanted to be around them. And then well, I want to be like that. And I want to do yes. that. And so you start yeah. just chasing this stuff. That's really, it's, mm-hmm. it, it's useful in that if you get to learn a lesson from it and an experience from it to know that where you do discover yourself more, then it's very useful. Right. Otherwise, otherwise you can get sucked yeah. up into it and, get lost. Well, that's interesting, right? Because I mean, we learned a lot by mimicry, right? We see people who have done things that we want to be, you know, I mean, kids do that all the times with professional athletes, they see LeBron James out there, I want to be like that, right? But then you kind of have to get to your own path of realizing, all right, what am I really chasing to make me happy? Like, you know, maybe those things will teach you, like how to start on that path, but eventually it's going to you have to look at this a little bit different once you get down there. Cause it is, I've always kind of been interested about like the standards that we put of those things for strength, right? Like two times body weight or three times body weight. So, oh, I get to that level. It's like, okay, well, and then what? This, <laughs> the sun, the, the sun's going to shine the next day, right? It's still another 24 hours ahead of time. What are you going to do afterwards? So it's kind of like being able to detach from the outcomes as much and just do it for the joy of really training. Well, I, I think you just, that's probably the definition of joy being able to detach from the outcome. Mm-hmm. Yes, that's exactly. And detach from kind of the negative, like detach from the negative, but also detach from the positive, like, okay, you did something really good. It's like, okay, that doesn't define me. Like, I think a lot of times we, we get to those levels of strength, especially, you know, men and women who are, you know, maybe getting up in age, like they, maybe you were the strongest you were at one point, you're not going to technically hit those numbers again, it doesn't mean you're not strong anymore. Right. Right. You can still access the joy of training. But also everything has a season too. Um, And we need to, we need to be able to let seasons come and go, Um, Mm -hmm. which is hard. But if we can find our, our, just our, the joy in being how we are that day versus Mm -hmm. what we could do or what we want, you know, thought we should be able to do, then we're going to be better off anyway. And you're going to move better because you're not holding the tension and the regret and the guilt of missing the mark. Right. You know, it's, these are some deep things. I'm, I'm curious, do people who come in for instructorship in the workshops and stuff, are these some kind of head scratching things that people have some difficult concepts of getting 
right away when you've taught it? They are, but it's also really neat to see people come to this amazing place of discovering who they are. And, and, you know, it's kind of weird because they get there through moving. Um, but it opens up the, like, it opens up so many possibilities. Like for instance, if, if you haven't touched your toes in 20 years, you might have the notion or the belief that you're just never going to touch your toes. And that's just the way it is. But after learning how to turn your head a certain way or to find your breath, you're able to touch your toes in two minutes. Well, now you've got an opportunity for a huge paradigm shift that you get to wrestle with. Mm. and everything you were sure of is no longer, you can't be sure of it anymore. Mm. Um, and it starts that innocent and that simple where it opens up the way to really find out some huge discoveries about yourself. Yeah. That's a powerful moment, right? When somebody hasn't touched their toes for like years and all of a sudden a couple different movements and all of a sudden they're right down there. Yeah. So maybe they spent 10 years trying to stretch or whatever they've ever tried and they couldn't get there. And they just, Mm -hmm. you know, naturally they, they just, it's not going to happen. And they know it until, until it does happen. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Man, did you realize, did you realize how powerful this was on the mental side of it as you were doing it when you were like, cause Mm -hmm. when you started to get into like the workshops and stuff, or did that just come over a period of time? It's still coming. Um, It's it's, I think, (laughs) it's still coming like, like and that's the that's also the beautiful part like i'm still learning never gets old um and i i, I and the the wonder of the design keeps growing like it's just when you think you understand part of it you don't you don't you don't understand any of it and it still it still teaches you and, and you still learn mm-hmm. yeah has it since you started getting into the workshops and, and built this program to where it is now, you said it's been like a dozen years since you've done that. Like, has there been any big moments during that time when things have really changed when you found something like how you teach now versus how you started teaching this program? Is there any big differences that you see from the beginning to now? As far as the material goes, the differences aren't that much different. Mm-hmm. There's not a lot of changes um, in the material itself but in the ability to appreciate the material and to, to explain it or to see now I'm not, I'll try to, now I'm not sharing movements. I'm sharing wonder. I'm sharing like something amazing that you have inside of you versus mm-hmm. turn your head like this, move your head like this. Now look how easy you can squat. Now that's all that's great. But really, when you get into it, it's quite miraculous. Um, And so so now it's it's more or less just sharing that, which they look kind of the same, but the delivery and the the intent or the energy of it's a little bit different. Mm -hmm. That's so interesting. It's it reminds me. Do you ever read the book um, Mastery by Robert Greene? No, but I should write that down. It's a, I'm, I, again, listeners, I'm sorry because I preference this book probably every podcast coming in, but it seems so interesting of like mastering different movement, you know, because he talks about the like the three different phases, like the apprenticeship phase, which is kind of getting your reps in, you know, to learn. But then you kind of get to the creative side of it and where like you kind of start putting your own creative mindset into what you're doing once you get the reps in. And it seems kind of like this is such an avenue to do that for movement, because once you open up these movements that you can do and realize that you can access these things that you didn't think were possible anymore, 
how many more things are going to open up your mind of what you've been limiting yourself of beliefs of doing anything? Because I could see this going into, I mean, not just the physical side of strength, but it's like, okay, well, maybe I can get my nutrition down or maybe I can start that business or maybe I can, you know, whatever, just like kind of build confidence in different areas of life. So this is like where physiology, I believe, really does drive psychology in so many ways. This is like such a gateway opening program that it seems like can Absolutely. do and, well, And you do, you do start to create because, I mean, we're creators. And so yeah. your natural state of being just starts oozing and it just starts happening out of you. Mm-hmm. And like one thing that is different is now when the workshops start, whenever we're explaining OS, we, we talk about how everything's connected and there's nothing about you that's separate. So how you move affects how you think and mm-hmm. how you think affects how you feel and how you feel affects how you think, how you feel affects how you move. Like, so everything dances together and it's all expression. Mm-hmm. And one of the easiest ways to unlock the way you think and you feel is to move because when you move well, you naturally start thinking better and feeling better. Right. So you can always go like, it's very hard sometimes to approach the cognitive aspect of it or to just change how you feel, but through movement, you kind of can. And, but it's amazing how every, it is a tapestry, everything dances together and it's all expression, but yeah, so it does open up all your creative potential and your ability to, to use reason, logic, uh, fantasy, imagination, (laughs) like it just, yeah. Yeah, probably because there's just that focus aspect of it, right? I mean, obviously, if you just move, you're going to get blood flowing. There's the there's the physical benefits of that, but actually, just kind of resetting, opening these things up, those creative juices come in so much. Those theta brain waves, you know, start rolling in. So I've I've said that before with people. It's like, and I think a lot of times we we think that by just like working out and just moving, it's like okay, we need to be pushing weights, we need to be doing this. When in reality, just by moving just by doing these resets just to get up it's like an espresso shot to our nervous system and it's going to open up our pathways to everything else that's pretty much it (laughs) absolutely did you think at all like when you guys started this of like starting getting into workshops and stuff that it was going to start being as big as it is because now it's all over the country i mean it's been around everywhere you know from there did you kind of think that this could be something that was going to really spread this started as a $4 PDF on love a Dragon Door website. <laughs> <laughs> That's crazy from there. So what's like the next, I mean, is it, do you have like different aspirations now for this? Is it just kind of continuing with the workshops right now and spreading it to as many people as possible? That's, that's, I mean, that's the aspiration is just to, to share how wonderful everyone is designed and, like with, with them like this, so that they would know it and learn it. Um, how that, all that happens. I don't know. We're, we're still, you know, trying to teach workshops, um, sell books. Uh, yeah. and, and it's weird, you know, people find it that when they need it. <laughs> um, so that's, that's okay. all, like, there, there's so many stories, you know, about that come through OS, but they're always like miraculous stories. Like somebody was at their, the last, last ditch effort or their wits in or whatever. And then, mm-hmm. and they found it and then yeah. it changed everything. Like, so it's, that's always neat. That was, those are the weird stories that I saw. It's like, obviously like when, when desperation, the last resort comes in, like there is something to that of like the different focus. But I remember when talking with Jeff, uh, when he was on my last podcast that I did and 
was telling some story about uh, a man who was kind of on his last leg right there pretty much. And, and just by like a half hour of doing these things, the guy was like, he never stood up straight in like 20 years and all of a sudden was walking out with his posture, his lungs kept open. And just in my head, I was just like, really? I'm like, like it, it is, it's still kind of, you know, it's still just incredible that these stories are out there and how, how accessible it is to us. It's just, we have to open up those doors, you know, with these things. It's again, it's a, it's an amazing design and it's full of power potential. Yeah. That's awesome. So um, Tim, man, it's been great talking with you. I mean, this is an amazing program. Absolutely. I'm, I'm fascinated by it. I know, you know, more people need to understand and learn it because I think it's only going to benefit, you know, everybody that comes in contact with it. So I really appreciate you coming on. It's been great. No, thanks for having me. I, I love talking about it. Like it's just neat, you know, it never gets old. Absolutely. Yeah. So if people want to uh, check out the program, kind of look deeper into this, what's the best place that uh, you can direct them? Uh, so if you, if you want to learn about it and how it works, you can, uh, the book pressing reset, original strength, uh, reloaded, um, mm -hmm. is, is a good, uh, place to start. Our website is originalstrength.net. Um, the book's available on Amazon or the website. Uh, I also have a, the original strength YouTube channel. There's probably, I think maybe close to 500 free videos, um, that you can watch to, to try to learn how to roll or move your head, breathe, yeah. uh, rock back and forth and crawl. And you do a podcast too, right? The podcast that's on there. Yes, sir. Um, that comes out every, every Friday. Um, and that I, that's a lot of fun. Cause it's, you know, it's talking to people about all kinds of things from the nervous system to mental health, uh, to <laughs> the, so like I've learned like crazy things about like the psoas and I mean, but just okay. really, just really it's full of people that just want to help other people move better and feel better. Wow. Okay. That's awesome. Um, Great. Well, Tim, again, it was so great meeting you. I'm going to have to have you back on and we're just going to have to keep diving into this. This stuff I'd is so to. fascinating to me. So I'd love to, Michael. Thank you so much. Absolutely. Appreciate it. Uh, listeners, thank you so much for connecting. If you want to find out more about Original Strength, you know where to do so now. I'll catch you on the next one. Bye, guys. Thank you so much for listening, guys. I hope you came away with great stories and insights that you can use to create more strength and success in your life. Remember now, for a time, you can grab a free copy of the One Day Strength Challenge, the playbook that incorporates proven strength aerobics training along with the skill of intuition to help you create, design, and achieve your perfect training plan that fits around your busy schedule. Just go to www.thebreakthroughsecrets.com and grab your free copy today. It's your life. Make it the strongest possible. Catch you guys later.